Now, I realized I left a, like, a lot out on that first trip to Shanghai, and I have since recovered some photographs that we took, Rasan and I. And so I want to, uh, I have some additional memories. I want to at least recap my Shanghai visit well enough on my first trip. Like, for example, don't you want to know what happened with me bringing that big old suitcase around that was empty? Sure you do. So Rasan and I, this is pre-smartphones, and I looked it up. It was only probably by like four months before the first iPhone was released. I don't even know that it had a camera, but we didn't bother to take a camera on the trip. So when you go up the TV tower in Shanghai, the, the thing that looks like kind of a little bit like the Seattle Needle, um, it's owned by Disney, or if it was, I don't know if it is, but... They had those, like, one-day disposable cameras, and we bought, like, one or two of those. So, and those came out, like, horrible, and we took a lot of shots of, like, nothing. But there's a couple in there. Um, and I mentioned in the last story how my best day, that's what I call it, right, uh, was when Shi Ming at, in the Manhattan Shaolin Temple said, try like him, and used me as an example. It wasn't just because of that. It was like the whole experience of like not being trained in that kind of kung fu and being able to perform at my best level and having that connection with them. So uh, I had a second best day that I may have alluded to, and that was a day in Shanghai. And there's actually some photos that I have that reminded me that's what it was. So, And it wasn't anything in particular. It was just like a full day of, of awesome adventure. That's all it was. Um, it wasn't like mind-blowing, um, you know, crazy. Nobody could have ever had so much fun in a day. But for me at the time, I forgot how old I was. I, I could do the math, but I guess I was 25 or 26. It's just, just a, an awesome day of, of being in a big urban jungle and like getting around and this is funny and that's fun and Rasan was cool to be with and everything was good. I just got a, a couple of memories of being with Rasan. Like we were walking down, I don't know where the hell we were, and we were walking along the creek, which is like a river, and it was clearly like a less traveled part of Shanghai where there was kind of like chamois off to the side, like abandoned but people living in them. And... In the distance straight ahead, while we're walking down this road, like shoulder to shoulder, a guy came out of his chamois thing and just underswung uh, a big garbage, uh, plastic, black plastic bag of garbage into the river and walked right back into his chamois. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, Rasan just said, Word. <laughs> it was, I mean, that's exactly the right thing to say to that. And, uh, you know, because he was more into black culture than me, clearly. Uh, we were on the subway once, and I remember he, he was, like, commenting every once in a while, like, if a, if a girl looked a certain way that he liked. But mostly, they were too thin for either of us, but... There was a, a lady in the or a young girl on the subway, like standing right, right next to us on a pretty crowded subway, and we're standing holding the bar. And he's like, "Look at that one!" And I go, "Dude, man, they they can understand English, man. Like sometimes, you know." 
And he's like, all right, well, shorty right here has got a PHAT one. <laughs> it was pretty stellar. Yeah, so she had a fat ass. Um, and then just like the whole experience, like we, we got in a taxi. I remember when we were actually going to the textile show because we couldn't find the address. And this taxi driver just drove like full speed. We don't know where the hell he's going. It's just like down here, over here. And then where we ended up, Rasan's like, dude, we just started here, man. Like we were already, we had already arrived. So we actually were at the right address and he just took us on a, like a little cruise. And Rasan was like pissed off. And I was like, dude, just pay the guy. Like now we know for sure that that's the building. <laughs> like we had different views on that one. However, later in our trip, the the roles were were reversed but i'll get to that a little bit later uh i i saw from the pictures like we went to century park and we rented like one of these boats and went through the lake that way we just jumbled around and bumbled around i remember we took a taxi like every morning way into shanghai for some reason i guess i had the address of a mcdonald's i think the hostel made like an egg next to a piece of toast so we and a banana, and we did that for like two days, and then we started taking a taxi to not the closest McDonald's because we didn't know where that was. It was just a McDonald's we knew, and that was fantastic. That kind of breakfast, oh man! Um, because like I I can't even remember what we ate most of the time, but the breakfast was the best because that was something like familiar. So the day that was just a great day. I don't really remember how it started, but. Oh, I have a memory. I do remember when we arrived in Shanghai the first time. We got off the subway. I can even tell you the station, I think. Let me think about it for a second. Well, I can't think of the name, but I know exactly which station it is now, having lived in Shanghai. And we got off, I'm talking about a, a metro station, so subway, but it's overhead, oh, a rail, elevated rail. We got off of that, and we had my two suitcases and his big-ass suitcase, and there's this big... I don't even know, eight-lane road you got across there? Maybe it's less than that, but it it's just insane traffic. And you got to, like, there's... I don't remember there being a traffic light, or even if there was, there was just so much, like... If the cars stop, they still, like, go into the intersection, and plus you have, like, bicycles and e-bikes and motorcycles all going both ways, and we couldn't cross that street. I feel like we were trying to cross that street for 45 minutes. No kidding. So I do have that memory, and that just came back to me because, yeah, it's coming back to me now because that's where we stayed at, right on that road, and that's how also, that's where we were staying when my great day happened. In that place, they had a little basketball hoop in the front, so... You know, it's China, and there's not, like, basketball hoops around, but that place had one. So me and Rasan went out there shooting baskets, and we were taking, like, you know, three-pointers. And if you'd miss, it'd go over the wall and into the neighbor's place to go around, like a long walk to go and get it. So we were shooting around, and we had these two guys, like, two Chinese kids play us. Kids, they were only a couple years younger than me, but uh, that was pretty cool because... Nah, yeah, that was his birthday. That was Rasan's birthday, the great day. And um, that's interesting. So the kids gave him something they happened to have on him, 
on them, which was like a, a bracelet that was made out of some kind of like shark teeth or something. I don't know if you still would have that. But we go back to the room and we're just like hanging out before we leave to go on our, our little adventure. And we hear like yelling outside the, the window. And it's going like on and on and getting louder and louder. And Rasan like sticks his head out the window. He's like, dude, they're talking about the basketball and the and the hoop. And I'm like, really? Let me see, man. And I, I look out and like the neighbors are over. And it's not like it was a house next door. It was like a little complex. And they're pissed off, man. And you could tell this guy's trying to calm him down who runs the center. And they're pointing so you can figure out they're complaining about the ball going over there. And we're like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know, we, whatever. We, we pop our heads back in and we're minding our business. And then we start hearing like loud noises of what sounds like construction or something. And we pop our head back out. And the owner has this ripping down the basketball hoop. So Rasan and I were responsible for that. So I guess that's how the day started. We probably left around like 10-ish. And that's probably the day that we went to, maybe to the um, Science University, Shanghai Science University, whatever it's called, uh, subway station. And there, there's like an underground of not a black market, but just cheap goods. So the way it works in China anyway for that kind of thing is like small, there's like small shopping centers underground at, I guess, mainly at subway stations, at certain subway stations. Like that one in particular is a huge one. But there's these kind of like low-end malls that you can go in and people have little kind of like basically holes in the wall and they sell whatever they got, which is like usually lots of something they bought in bulk of a couple different things. So the one at the Shanghai Science University, they have, that one's mainly clothing. And I wanted to find some like button-up shirts for like work. And I, I have a picture of my negotiation with with this young Shanghainese kid. I don't know if he was Shanghainese or not. Um, and I bought, like, I don't know, eight, like, Ralph Lauren button-up shirts that came to, I think, like, $14 a shirt, which they probably would be, like, $56 a shirt, I guess. And I don't know if they were real. But what I had read, so I, I didn't mention, but I had I was always reading about China, and one of the things... One of the books I read was like Chinese business etiquette or something like that. And somewhere in that book, it tells you that there's like uh, an unwritten rule that negotiations in China usually go back and forth five times. So you always start at a much lower price than you're willing to pay. And they always price the item at a much higher price than they expect to get for it. However, like a lot of like Americans or certain foreigners may not know this kind of like uh, rallying of the price. And so it's kind of like getting lucky, like winning a lottery if, if a foreigner comes up and buys something at the price they set. But for Chinese, they'll go back and forth five times. So I guess I had started to try that, you know, on the streets buying stuff. So I was doing it with this guy back and forth and back. And it took a while, man. It took a while, like at least an hour. Of like, I'll give you this much. And I'm, I, back then, they used to always have big calculators and they'd show you the price on the calculator. And the whole point is like, you take the calculator, hit clear, and then write your price and show them. And then they go, no, 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 no. And then they'll like, they'll be like, how about that? And, and then you go back and say, how about this? And, and uh, they'll be like, final price or 
friend price or and then they just they do this thing i mentioned before how they like almost wipe their hands like they're erasing a chalkboard and they they close their eyes and they nod no you know so part of the way you always get the price the the fair price is you walk away after you've gone back and forth enough and you're set you're set on the price in other words you know that buying this thing here is worth this much and if this guy's not willing to do it like somebody else is and if nobody else is like i maybe don't want it that much so you have an you have to have an idea of what that thing should sell for so you walk away and then they call you back and they're like okay 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 something like that so at the end we took a picture and like i got we have our arms around each other's shoulder and i'm holding up the bag and he's holding up the cash it's an adorable picture so that probably happened the same day um walking around i don't know if i if it's the same day or not but i bought that painting in my bedroom i just thought it's an awesome painting it has a lot of meaning to it if you know about the eight horses running wild it has some kind of play on words that means good fortune is coming um maybe buying the tea maybe nanjing road maybe all that stuff was the same day so we got all around i feel like that day we probably also went to century park because that's close to the shanghai university station um and it was just like everything was just like adventure you know big big time adventure and meeting people and being able to take care of yourself and we got to shantandi which is like tomorrow land i guess in english which is kind of like a at that time was like brand new part of town which was just like modern restaurants and stuff i mean they're still building on it so um but they had some like you know foreign like european beer brewery kind of places you could sit outside on a really nice like uh like a brick road and uh and and i there's a picture of us like holding our glasses up i was just having a great time and then it just so happened when we got to nanjing road they were having a shanghai celebration i forget what it's called like shanghai festival 2006 got pictures of that there was like floats going by there's beautiful women dressed up and we like hunkered up on the one platform on that street where you can sit out basically on the street on a deck and drink beer so we were watching that and we had front row to that um and since it was rasan's birthday he was like man i want to get one of these like happy ending massages something like that and there was a guy that kept coming over to us trying to sell us stuff who's <laughs> i got a picture of him too like you know like yellow shirt with a blue collar with like blue rim frame glasses like probably a teenager with spiky hair the shanghai style you know and and i i was i guess really confident because i had a few beers in me and i didn't drink that much back then so i went over to him pulled him aside and i said hey it's my buddy's birthday he really wants to get like a massage do you know where we can get like a special massage and he's like yeah man i got you um he's like let me take you there and uh and then you can, we'll get the pricing and stuff and I'll take you back. So I was like, hey, Rasan, like, wait for me, you know, hang on. So it wasn't that far. I mean, I was following him like right behind his shoulders, walking through this parade. Like we literally cut through the parade. There's Nanjing Road. What I told you was it's at some point was the busiest road and maybe still is in the world. And I'm following him through the night. And I'm kind of intoxicated. We go in some building. He asked some 
he asked some people there and they were all booked up or something. So we go to another building, we go up an elevator, we get out and it's like, uh, it's kind of like a, it is a KTV place, but I didn't know what that was. I don't think. So it was a place where you rent a room and sing and they have girls. And so I remember being like, well, how much is it? And he was like 75. I, I like distinctly remember that. Of course, I don't remember if it was R&B or USD. And we came back and I'm like, all right, Rasan, it's your birthday. Like, I found a place for you to get your massage or whatever. And we went back to that place and uh, we got the room and they sent in two cute girls. I think mine was cuter than his. And they like immediately like sit up real close to you, rubbing their leg into you. Um, and then slowly they start bringing in like grapes and fruit and sodas and beers and the table starts getting full of stuff. Um, apparently they were ordering it. The girls were. And I started getting pretty drunk because I didn't drink that much. And I remember the girl on my lap said she was 18 and I was like 25. And I remember like looking at my hands on her back and being like, God, I'm way older than her. <laughs> and like... I guess getting pretty horny, uh, even though I wasn't sexually active at the time, like we we did want to, we were asking them to come home with us by the end of the night or the end of the KTV. And then a guy walks in with a bill and I feel like it was like $500, like USD. It could have been R&B, but I remember seeing that and being like, like, you know, fucking ripped us off, dude. Like everything changed at that moment. Um, and the girl next to us, she was keeping quiet and I was like, I didn't order any of that stuff. And then she, she spoke up and was like, but you drank it or something like that. And I looked at her and it was just like, it went from like, I'm totally into this girl to like this evil piece of fucking garbage, you know? <laughs> and then Rasan was like, can you get them out of here? And so the girls left. We had already like showed them our address and they already discussed like coming over. So and we came out of there and I was just like chip on my shoulder like we're not paying that shit, you know, fuck you guys, you know, you said it was 75 and I'm not paying 500 or something. And I started trying to find a way to leave without the elevator and Rasan like takes out his book like he he was discussing it with him for a while, but then he took out his um, wallet and started to pull like his card. And I go, Rasan, what are you doing, man? And he looked at me and he said, getting us home. And that was like a, that was him being the mature person. Cause like, what am, what am I, what am I doing? Like, I'm not, this isn't my country. Like they could, they could take bats to my head for all I know, you know, but I was pretty lit. So we got out of there and we're waiting, trying to pull a, call a cab. But I mean, like flag down a cab, but there's no there's no taxi available. Like, we are going, it's like another hour, and we're just standing there, like, starting to lose the, our buzz and not feel so hot. And then Rasan was like, dude, these two guys on a motorcycle want to take us home. Show them the card. Like, they give you little business cards with addresses. And so we got on the back of these motorcycles, and they gave us helmets, and they just, man, tore it up, man, zipping through the city. And we got a picture of each of us on the back of those bikes, too. You can tell, like... I am having <laughs> the best time. So we got home, man, and, and that was just, that was the day that I was chalking up as, like, I would say the best day except for that time at 
the temple. Now, like, by that time, I remember we needed to, like, do laundry. We had to go to the bank and sit in that line and stuff. And I remember Rasan being like, yeah, traveling is all good until you need to take care of business. Then you want to get the fuck home. <laughs> right on, man. Like, he knew what he was talking about. So, I'm, and I remember him wanting to, like, leave Shanghai and go on to the next city and the next city. And I didn't have any other cities planned. So, we had, we had, I feel like, uh, at least seven or eight days in Shanghai, maybe nine. So we ended up uh, having to go back to Beijing before we could fly home. So back to the train station, and uh, on that 12-hour uh, ride back, I remember being, like, really hungry, and I remember thinking there's probably a dinner car. So I had my stupid little pinion translation book, not even tra like phrase book. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, Rasan, stay here. I'm going to go out there and try to find. Rather than just like walk up and down the entire train, which would make the most sense, I just thought I would try to <laughs> ask people uh, because I don't even know if you could walk up and down this train. Plus, it's different when you're 25 than like 45, I feel like, in certain certain cases like that. Maybe that has something to do with it. But I'm like walking up and down the aisle and I, I feel like there wasn't anybody out there. Like everybody was in their rooms and I'm just walking back and forth and I don't even, I'm trying to find something in this book the whole time. Like where can I, where's dinner or car? And finally somebody comes up to me and he's like, do you need help? He's not a worker. In fact, I, I think he stayed in our little cart where there's four people. Um, and I'm like looking through the book and I think he was like, I speak English or something. So I was like, oh, I'm trying to find the dinner card. He's like, oh, I think it's closed. Like there is one, but oh, you know what? Or I don't know if he said it was closed, but he said, are you hungry? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, oh, I have, I have something for you. And he gave me a, a pail, like a metal pail bucket full of ice with a crab in it. And uh, and a big Qingdao beer. And he was like, please, please, please have this. Like, they, it, I don't even want it. I was at, I was down here for a conference. I have two jobs. Um, he got on a wuxi. That's what it was. So if you take the train. So I wasn't even taking like a direct train. This was a train that's going to stop like periodically. Wuxi is like probably the second city. It goes Shanghai, Suzhou, Wuxi. And then onward. And Wuxi is the city that's like right on, I think it's Wuxi Lake or Tai Lake. Uh, so it's a big lake and this crab comes from that lake or bay, lake, yeah. So like I'm grateful he's got food. I don't. I can't remember if the dinner car was closed. And we sat down and like pulled this beer out and this crab. Like by the way, like when you don't want to have a beer – like a Qingdao beer is basically like a Budweiser. Like when you're just hungry, you don't want to drink beer, right? I mean, normally, like at least not that kind of beer. So I remember like trying to drink that and it was gross. And uh, I pulled this crab out and I turn to the guy and I go, well, how do I eat it? And he's like, use your teeth. <laughs> ah, dude. So to, to make it weirder, I mean, the the crab claws, those arms were hairy, like really hairy. And 
I tried real hard to like get the meat out of the thing, but I mean, every time I had crabs as a kid, like we had tools like hammers and knives and picks and you know, it was a big ordeal and like lots of paper towels. This was just being a crab, you know. I don't think Razan was even hungry, so I was just trying trying to eat it and I didn't hardly eat any of it. Now like jump forward way after I came back to America and stuff. Wushi crabs, they're the only crabs in the world that are hairy like that. And those crabs go for like $50 a crab. So I had no idea. I pretty much wasted that crab. And to, to like build off of that story, when we got finally arrived in Beijing, it was like pouring rain. And we were planning on getting a, on a bus and drive a thir- like a 13-hour bus, 13 miles. I can't remember, 13-something. A long bus ride, let's say three hours, must have been three hours, to the Great Wall where there was a hostel, a hostel that's right up against the Great Wall. That was the plan. But it was pouring rain and we were exhausted. And if we went, we had to come back like the next day. So we were just like, let's just find a nice hotel and that'll be it. So we're like in the rain, just walking around, like pulling pulling our suitcases, walking over these bridges that go over the streets or the highways. And uh, the guy that was on the thing with us was like, w- helped me carry one of my suitcases. So the empty one that I was bringing was wheeling around. He grabbed it and wheeled it for me. And I didn't ask him to, but it was helpful because I had both suitcases and now that one was full. And there's a surprise ending here when I tell you what was in there. Because um, I haven't yet. But the guy takes us to a nice hotel, like a five-star hotel, and we're checking in. And I had read in that stupid etiquette book, Chinese etiquette, which was already out of date, especially considering how quickly China changes, because I feel like that was written in the 80s and like revised in the 90s, and here we are in 2006. In that book, it said, if you really want to show your appreciation to a Chinese like serviceman or something, give them any U.S money like a coin or one dollar it's not about the the denomination it's like it's just so interesting to see like an american dollar and they'll really appreciate it so off of that i happen to have ten dollars and the guy had carried my thing in the rain like pouring rain in the dark and like he didn't have to do that right so i like insisted you know and i think i even read that they're gonna they're gonna refuse and I'm like, take this $10, you know, like thinking I'm doing the right thing. And he's like refusing. And I'm like, come on, take this. Come on. And he's like, no, no I really don't want it. And I'm like, take, come on. It's like in my head, I'm like, this is American $10, you know. Fast forward, I got his uh, MSN when I got back to America, like his assistant was talking to me. Uh, the guy owns a bank. He's a bank owner. And he was in that conference in Wuxi. He was like in an international conference for his other industry. So I, uh, a guy did me a favor and I tried to give him $10. So that I f- like pretty much knew that relationship wasn't going to last after I found out what I had done. Jeez. So, so uh, yeah, I, I think we just took it easy that night and chilled in the hotel in the morning from what I recall. We, we didn't even eat together. We were just like kind of exhausted from the trip. Now, what was in the suitcase? So one of those days we were in Shanghai, there's something called the Jade Buddha Temple, which is, you know, from the original Shanghai days, 
probably four or five hundred years ago. There's a giant Buddha like laying, I think laying on it side could have been sitting up i can't remember now even though i i like literally ended up living like a block away from i never went in there again i went in there one more time so we were in there and i was looking at they had all these like novelty buddha statues and like i told you in the last episode there's all these features that i'm looking for like if it looks like that person is actually asleep sitting a certain way if you sleep sitting up so you don't fall over like all the thing all the same things are going to happen to everybody. So I know what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for like a trinket that doesn't represent the thing. I want to find something that's the thing. And uh, we, walk, we walked in some of the stores. I told Rasan I'm trying to find this. And we walked out of the like gated temple area back onto the sidewalk on the street. And I noticed there was like steps going up around the corner in the, in the temple. And I said, hey, Rasan, hang on a sec. Like, let me run up there and see if there's anything. And I go up there and there's like, uh, everything's like real expensive in there. And there's a glass wall and there's shelves. And everything in there is priced at like $800 to like thousands of dollars. So I'm looking and uh, I see, I see like a properly carved Buddha. And this little short, Chinese guy working there came up to me and he's like, what are you looking at? I was like, that's a beautiful Buddha. I just looked at him like, that's it. You know, that's like, I don't know if you know, but that's a proper Buddha. And he says, yeah, it was carved by a Buddhist and blessed by a Buddhist. That is a national stone, our Chinese national stone called Chancho from Fujian province. And that, that monk himself is a practicing Buddhist who carved this. And I go, I know, I know that it's perfect. And he's like, do you want me to take it down and show it to you? And I go, no, 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 no. Like, I'm not, I don't have $800, you know? And he's like, well, let me just take it down. He gets like a stepladder and takes it down. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, man, I'm just telling him like, that's like, I don't know if you know, but that's perfect. And he's like, let me talk to the boss and see if I can get the price down. And I was like, okay. Um, I think it ended up being like $100, something like that. So I bought it. It's heavy. It's a big piece of stone. And that ended up taking up that whole suitcase I brought. I probably put some stuff in there to like pad it. But I feel like that thing weighs 20 pounds. Um, and that was what <laughs> that's what I ended up carrying back to Beijing all that way, man, through all those transfers in the subway to Beijing and and that guy helping me through the rain. And I'm looking at it right now as I'm talking because I still have it and it's a work of art. And even though I don't really meditate anymore, every once in a blue moon or even less, I do. And I, I still think that that thing is maybe the most precious thing I have. And especially when I did move to China and I ended up selling everything. There's a few things I left with a good friend of mine and that was one of them that I got back. So, um, yeah, maybe that has some significance I'll figure out later in life. But that was my first trip to China before my second trip to Shanghai. And that's normally when your second trip is. It's after the first trip. But on my second trip, I'm going by myself. And I'm going to meet up with the Chinese. And I'm going to be taken under her wing and travel around China. I'm going to go to a new city this time. 
and I'll end up back in Shanghai several years later. So come with me on that adventure in the next one. Thank you.